The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. Well, I want to talk with you today about living a because-of-you life and having a because-of-you legacy. Uh, Right now, is there anyone who can say, because of you, I know Christ. Because of you, my marriage is stronger. Because of you, my kids are being raised for the Lord. Do you have that kind of life? Are you going to have that kind of legacy? And the good news today is that you can have that. God wants us to have that. He empowers us to live that way by his Holy Spirit and by his word. And together as a congregation, we're launching this series, Rebuild, because maybe your, your life right now isn't that kind of life. Well, God is a God who rebuilds. He's a God who makes old things new. And if you want to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, we're going to be looking at Nehemiah because Nehemiah rebuilt. Just like our community needs to rebuild as we grieve the loss of these 19 firefighters. Just as Yarnell needs to physically rebuild. And all of us, if we're really honest in our hearts, we know there are some areas in each of our lives that could use some rebuilding as well. Maybe it's your marriage that you know needs some rebuilding. Maybe it's your finances that need some rebuilding. Perhaps it's a relationship with your kids or your grandkids. Maybe it's your relationship with God that you know it was once strong, but you've lost the passion that was there. You've lost the intensity that was there, and you need God's help to help you rebuild. In the book of Nehemiah, we, we find this incredible story of rebuilding, and it's, it's one that I just get to tell you a little bit about today, but we're going to be studying it every week between now and Christmas, because I've been reading this book for the last few months, and guys, there is so much in here. Uh, I think I've got 30 sermons outlined from the book of Nehemiah, and we do not have 30 weeks between now and Christmas. But today, I just want to give you an overview. And I want to start by talking about rebuilding your legacy. When I think of legacy, I think of my grandpa, Mark Dickerson. Uh, my grandpa was, he was actually kind of a shy, introverted man, uh, a little bit melancholy, very introspective. I've got some of his journals from when he was in his 20s. He did not know Christ as his Lord and Savior. He was working on a Ford assembly line in Ypsilanti, Michigan in 1936, right before World War II. This is a guy who lived through the Great Depression and who now would live through World War II. And like many from his generation and especially in his family, uh, those things affected him. Uh, but as he looked at the world around him, he realized he, he didn't really have a lot of purpose. He didn't have a lot of meaning. He realized that his, his kind of life legacy would just be that he bolted some Fords together. And, and he was searching for more. And one day, another line worker at that plant in Ypsilanti, Michigan, a man named Earl Peters, told my grandpa about Jesus. It told my grandpa the good news that we can have forgiveness of our sins when we humble ourselves before God and, and ask Jesus to forgive our sins, that God wants to rebuild our lives. He wants to restore our relationship with him. And for my grandpa, that radically changed his life. From that moment on, God began to rebuild his life. We see this in John chapter 3. Jesus calls it being born again. 
You get a brand new life when you come to Jesus. And he, he actually, as you renew your mind in his word, he starts to change the way you think for the better. He starts to set you free from sin. And he makes you a man or woman that you could never be on your own. He fills you with fruits of the Holy Spirit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, things that I do not have in my own nature. But God puts in me as a follower of Christ, and he's eager to put into you and, and to grow into you. Well, as my grandpa followed Christ, he sensed a call to become a pastor. In fact, I think I've got a picture of him and my grandma at their very first church. This was in Detroit, Michigan in the 1940s. And as my grandpa followed Jesus just one day at a time, doing what God's word says, following Jesus, his life transformed and anytime you follow Jesus, it affects the people around you. And these ripples started to go out from my grandpa's life. His siblings, he was able to lead to the Lord. His parents, he was able to lead to the Lord. And then this, this church, a number of churches that he was able to lead for the Lord. And then my dad came along. And my dad's one of three kids who were raised for the Lord, who now all walk with the Lord. And then my dad had four boys. And I'm the youngest of those four boys. And by God's grace, all four of us today are walking with the Lord. And now we are raising, I don't know, probably 12 kids between me and all my brothers and all our families for the Lord. This legacy, this legacy that, that my grandpa has, you don't know him, none of you knew him, but you know his legacy if you know me at all. Uh, in, in fact, I think of the culture that I got to grow up in. Uh, I got to be born into a, a church community like we're building here, where um, for my age, I had about, there were about 30 other kids my age. And of those 30, I, I, I should have gotten the number, but so many of us now are either pastors or missionaries or Christian businessmen. In fact, two of them right now, are, are, they're very successful Christian businessmen, but you know where they are right now? Kenya. They bought an orphanage in Kenya, and they, and they go over there. They save up their money as Christian businessmen, and they go over to this orphanage in Kenya, and they tell these kids about Jesus. They rescue these kids physically. All this is the legacy, not just of one man, but of one man who was part of a great team. I've got one picture for you of my grandpa with his team. Uh, this is them dedicating some property to the Lord. This was a few years before I was born. Uh, their church got, I don't know, 30 or 40 acres and built this, uh, this huge facility, a school and church that I literally grew up in as a pastor's kid. And here, here's my grandpa. And, you know, he went bald at a very young age. And if you want to know why, it's because he was a pastor. <laughs> And, you know, the youth group, they make fun of me that I'm losing my hair. And it's probably going to continue to happen because I'm a pastor more than genetics. Because that's on my dad's side. I think it's your mom's side that matters for your hair. My grandpa was able to be part of this incredible team. You see, if you really want to have a legacy... And if you really want to have a life that is full and free like Christ described, you cannot do it alone. It takes a team. 
You got to have a team of other men and women who they also want to raise their kids for Christ. They also want to leave a legacy for their grandkids. They also want to declare Jesus from generation to generation. It takes a team and it takes a persistency that says we will rebuild. Over and over, you have to continue rebuilding in this fallen world. And here's our big idea today. The kind of life and legacy you have is going to be determined by your determination to rebuild. You know, a lot of the great things in this world are actually rebuilt. Did you know that the White House burned down and was rebuilt? I mean, think about the Civil War. After the Civil War, this entire nation, one of the greatest nations in history, had to rebuild. A lot of the really great marriages that you'll find went through incredible crises and then they rebuilt. A lot of really successful people go through great failures, you know, bankruptcies and, and, and rock bottom moments, and then they rebuild. But for all of us, whether it's that dramatic or, or whether it's just a daily saying, God, uh, today I give everything to you, your life and your legacy, they're all determined by this one thing, will you rebuild? And, and will, you, will you have an attitude about life that says, I, I will rebuild and, and I will be committed to rebuilding? I want to give you an overview of Nehemiah's story. It's a story of rebuilding. And Nehemiah, um, you may know, was pretty high up official in King Artaxerxes' government. Uh, this was the world superpower at the time, and Nehemiah was Artaxerxes' cupbearer. So he knew this probably most powerful person in the world personally. Well, one day, uh, Nehemiah was talking to some friends from, from his homeland, and he learned that the walls in Jerusalem, which had been literally, you know, torn down and burnt, he learned that they were still just sitting there in rubble. And his people, God's people, were completely vulnerable to enemies and marauders who would, who would come in and, and who would loot them and who would uh, even take some of them away as slaves. And this broke Nehemiah's heart. And he started to get this passion to, to go back and rebuild the walls. And in the book of Nehemiah, we're going to see he talks to the king. The king gives him permission to go. He goes back to Jerusalem. He surveys all the rubble. And then he rallies the people who are there. And together, as a team, they rebuild. But it takes a whole lot of persistence. It takes a whole lot of determination. But in the book of Nehemiah, we're going to see they get there. They do rebuild the walls of the city. I want to ask you right now, as we start this series, where is it that you need to rebuild in your life? Is it a relationship with a child? Is it your relationship with God? Is it your finances? Is it your marriage? Where is it that that you know there's some rebuilding that needs to be done in my life spiritually? And I want to encourage you, as we go through the book of Nehemiah, if you will be faithful to God and his word, he will rebuild in your life. He's a God who makes all things new. Well, we live in a world where so much is crumbling. It's part of the fall. Things naturally fall apart. If you buy a brand new car and just park it out in the sun and just leave it, even after a couple years, the thing will be a mess. 
You know, we live in a world where things just, things fall apart. Everything needs rebuilding. If you own a home, you know this. Uh, you know that it requires constant maintenance outside and inside. And as we look around our society and as we look internationally, we see so much that's broken down. We see such violence in parts of the world. Well, in our part of the world, right? This last week when a, a gunman walked into his workplace and, and took the lives of 12 of his coworkers. Uh, we see violence all over the world. We see, we see morality breaking down. We see families breaking down. The majority of kids who grow up in America now grow up without a dad in their home. The, just as many marriages that start off end up in divorce as in faithfulness. We live in a society that's breaking down. And sometimes it can just get depressing in a world where so much is deteriorating. You know what the top four most prescribed drugs are in the United States? They're not cholesterol drugs. They're not heart drugs. The top four, not one, but number one, two, three, and four, are all antidepressants. Here we live in the wealthiest, most free society in history, and, and the four most prescribed drugs are antidepressants. Why? Because our lives are broken down. Our relationships are broken down. Our society is breaking down. Is there any good news? And there sure is. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came down into this dark world as a light to bring good news of rebirth and of hope. And I'm standing here today as living proof that Jesus' plan works. Uh, it worked for my grandpa, who had a, a, a happy marriage for however many dozens of years. It's worked for my parents, who still love each other and love the Lord. It's working for me Jesus' plan to rebuild your life, it does work. So let's celebrate today that God is rebuilding lives, and he's rebuilding our community through his church at Cornerstone. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, at this point, Nehemiah and the people, together, they've finally rebuilt the wall. They've finally put the doors on the wall. And then they realize there's still a lot of rebuilding to do internally. And this is kind of how it is following Christ. You rebuild an area of your life in his power, and then you realize, oh, there's still more growing to do. But Nehemiah, as a really excellent leader, he says, let's pause for a moment and let's celebrate what God has done. Nehemiah knows that only God gets the glory for empowering the people of Israel to rebuild this wall. But he also knows that it was the hands of the people who put in one brick at a time. And Nehemiah says here, go and enjoy some choice food and sweet drinks. If you know people who don't have that stuff, send them some. And then he says, this day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you commit to a life of rebuilding, uh, very often it seems like, okay, there's always so much more to be done. And Nehemiah says, we need to pause for a moment and we need to look back and we need to just celebrate how far God has brought us. And that's what we're going to do here today. I want to tell you today to rejoice because God is doing a great work among us and he's doing a great work in us. 
I want to encourage you for the next 15 minutes as we watch this video of what God's been doing to, to open up your heart and just kind of soak in that God is so faithful. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And sometimes when we read the news and when we look at this world, we think, are the gates of hell prevailing? Well, I want to encourage you today, Christ is building his church. He's building it right here. And if you serve here, if you pray here, if you give here, it's because of you that God is doing the work. God gets the glory. But just like there were physical hands that placed those bricks in Nehemiah's wall, which, by the way, some of those bricks are still there in Jerusalem today. Because of those hands, that wall was built. And because of the faithfulness of God's people, Christ is changing lives right now at Cornerstone. Let's take a look and see how. I've come to this church for about three years. And... Over the course of three years, I've seen the youth group grow from, you know, 10, 15 people to 50 people. You know, I've seen, I've seen the regular church grow from 150 people to you know, 500 people. And, you know, God is definitely doing something here. And it's really awesome to see that he's working here in Prescott and he's working here at Cornerstone and he's growing this church for a reason. You know, everybody everybody goes through uh, trials. You know. No one has an easy walk down the road. And I've had to go through a lot of speed bumps recently. And there have been specific people from the church that have come around me. And I've grown from it, and I can see other people growing. I just, I love this church for that reason, that it's more of a family because of you, I know that God cares for his children. Our goal is to be a, a healthy church, a church where Jesus is truly the head of the body and a church where increasingly we look like his body and we act and walk the way that Jesus would walk, not only in our individual lives, but as a church family working together. Only Jesus is perfectly full of both grace and truth. And a church that is his body is going to be a place that's full of both grace, compassion, mercy, love, relationships, and truth. The unchanging word of God. We are the physical presence of God in northern Arizona to make God known by making disciples.
What the youth group really taught me as far as my walk with God goes was how to truly pursue Jesus as a lifestyle and not just have him as a part of my life or not just go to church just because I believed in God, but to actually make Jesus a part of who I am and a part of following him outside of church and outside of the little bubbles of Christianity that I've fit into. And the youth group really encouraged me just to pursue that in a real way. I think God has worked a lot through the youth group. My brother, Jacob, and um, just various friends that really love Jesus in the youth group like have really helped me in my walk with Christ a lot. They, they've been praying for me so much, and I think through prayer is where I really started to come to know Christ. I think God has worked in me by showing his love through other people in the church. We were going through some difficult times in our marriage, and the sermon was on forgiveness, and um, it really helped me. And we, it was a trial time where I, it was four or five months, and but there were just a lot of moments where we went up front and different people prayed for us, and our hearts were softened, and we um, just felt the presence of God. Okay, well, I just think um, because of you, our marriage is stronger. We found so much support here, so we're here today because of you. Jen and I have come to Cornerstone for about a year and a half, two years, and uh, we came here from a church where we felt like grace in our life wasn't really um, fully understood, and so coming to Cornerstone was just kind of a renewal of God's grace mm -hmm. for us, and also we have five kids, um, so coming here, um, our kids were able to just plug in with some of just the most quality kids their age. So when we first came to Cornerstone, we doubled the children's ministry. So that was really, really fun because when we would show up, we would always be 15 minutes late, sadly. But Josh and Katie would just go, the Petersons are here. And they would just clap and, and everyone would, and my kids would go running in. And that was so needed for our family. It was okay that, that sadly, we were late, but it was okay that we were just who we were. And that's what our family really loved about Cornerstone when we first came. It was like, you're here, and we're just so glad you're here. And through loving our kids, they were loving us, because like Dave said, we have a whole bunch of them. Because of you, our family has experienced the hands and feet of Christ, and we felt grace coming from the body here. Because of you, we have seen Jesus um, at work, not only in our lives, but in our community. And, and we love you. And when we walked through the doors of Cornerstone, everybody said hello, which is a wonderful thing. People at Cornerstone are very friendly. Okay. Well, because of you, our prayers are answered. Because of you, uh, we have met wonderful new friends, and God has blessed us with, with, uh, with a new family. It would be easier to list the ways that it, this church has not impacted our lives than to list the ways that it has impacted our lives. When we found this church, our marriage was kind of precarious. We really didn't, we honestly didn't know where we were going to be. And coming to this church and meeting the people that we've met and the messages that we've heard, it's taught me to choose forgiveness over bitterness and reconciliation over divorce. It's taught me that I'm loved for just, you know, just being who I am. 
because of you, I belong, and I feel a part of something bigger than myself. And the first time I came to Cornerstone, this wonderful family introduced themselves to me, and I, and I felt very at home and felt the love of God in this place so palpably. They said to me, somebody introduced themselves to us the first time we came here, and we wanted to keep doing that because that that really helped us to feel God's love here in this place. And they really just loved, loved me up that day, my first day. And since then, I've been greeting um, at the welcome table because I want to keep on um, extending that, uh, that love of Christ to people in that beautiful way that they extended it to me. So because of you, I'm never alone, and I feel God's love in such a beautiful way. Well, I can explain uh, how I found uh, Cornerstone. This was through uh, my good friend Guy Noss. He knew of uh, my pain and heartache uh, that I was going through a divorce. Uh, he and his wife Diane had invited me here to Cornerstone. Guy was not afraid to approach me, uh, ask me if uh, I wanted to pray. I did. Uh, we prayed together. and. Uh, I was accepted Jesus Christ and I was reborn uh, at that time in, in 2011. From Bible group in this church, Cheryl and I met each other. Christ had his plan for us. You know, I, I need to say even at my age of, of 69, uh, it's not too late to reach out for Jesus Christ and he's there for you. Because of you, my wife and I, Joanna, have learned to trade in our circumstances for peace and contentment. Because of you, I feel welcomed and loved. Because of you, I was saved. Because of you, I know about the Bible. Because of you, I'm learning how to be a disciple maker. Together as a body in Christ, we are capable of so much more than we know. And when we all work together under Christ's authority, we can do things and we can see things happen that individually we could never do on our own. Because of you, we're able to help disciple hundreds of Native American young people at Warrior Leadership Summit every year, the largest Native American youth discipleship conference there is. I have a dear friend I want you to meet. 
His name is Feinbot. And he's special to me because of his zeal for the Lord. This kid, this guy that was just a boy when I first met him, and totally not interested in things of the Spirit, has come to Christ. His story excites me because he has such a passion for the Lord now. It's totally revolutionized his life, and now he has given his life to full-time ministry. He's reaching out to a Hewa village just on the other side of this mountain. Because of you, hundreds and hundreds of pastors all throughout East Africa are being trained to study, obey, and to teach God's word well. Thank you. I'm Pastor Grayson Badatu from uh, Gongolamboto, Dar es Salaam. Because of you, I know how to preach. And because of you, I know how to train others to know the truth of the word. Because of you, I know how to pray and to meditate the Word of God. Amen. Uh, my name is Pastor Nathaniel Chiwalo. I'm pastoring in Yombo area. This is in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. You have been supporting Eric and because of you, I have been able to train other pastors. Because of you, I've been uh, uh, equipped to meditate on the Word of God and be able to know the true ways of presenting the word of God to people. Thank you. God bless you. My name is Pastor Enoch. I passed in northwestern of Tanzania. Uh, because of you, we have received training and I and the many pastors around the, the city have received the uh, training. And we appreciate so much what you have done. And God bless you. We've seen in our time together that God is at work. He is changing lives and he's using faithful people like you to be part of it. And I want to invite you, if you're not yet part of what God is doing in Prescott and through His church at Cornerstone, I want to invite you to join us as we follow Christ and see Him change lives. Isn't that awesome? Does that guy's, like, does that warm your guys' hearts. Can you guys believe the stuff that God is doing? And I mean, we're just getting started. We're like four years in here. Hey, uh, you know, it's on my heart watching this. And some of you, you know, don't, don't feel any pressure because physically this isn't possible for, for all of us. But for if you're physically able or if it's on your heart, um, I'm feeling led that we just kneel before God for a moment and there's no pressure no one's watching you to see if you kneel or not okay um but but i you, you know nehemiah i don't have time to get into it today but the book starts with him just being broken before the lord to say god we need you to do this work and over and over in the book of nehemiah there will be great opposition nehemiah faced opposition from without and he faced opposition from within. And every time that would happen, he'd get on his knees before the Lord. And he'd say, God, give strength to the hand of your servant. That your will would be done. That your name would be glorified. And let's just, just for a moment, humble ourselves before the Lord. Most importantly, in our hearts. To just say, God, we praise you. We, we pause from the busyness of life to praise you for what you are doing. Because we can labor, we can plant the seeds, we can water the seeds, but only God 
can bring the increase. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for just a moment. And if, you're, if you want to kneel with me, that's great. And I know that's kind of weird, okay? But we always say we're a family here. We're just a family. If you want to kneel, awesome. Uh, we know that uh, you're kneeling in your heart no matter what. And let's just praise God uh, briefly for what he's doing. Would you pray with me, Father? Lord, we... God, we get on our knees and on our faces before you. And Lord, we just praise you for every child that you've entrusted to us as a church family. We praise you for every marriage that you have changed and that you are changing. Lord, we thank you for Richard DeMauro and Tom and so many others who've come to know you as their Lord and Savior because of the people of this church. And Father, we just right now acknowledge any good thing that is in our lives is from you. And Lord, we thank you for that, and we praise you for that. We give you glory. And Father, as your people, we recommit to you right now that we want to be about your kingdom. And Jesus, we remind ourselves right now that we can do no good thing apart from you, Lord. We can't, we can't fix our relationships or our finances or anything else without you. And so, Lord... We can't reach this world without you. So, Lord, as your people right now on our faces before you, we pray like Nehemiah, would you strengthen the hands of your servants? Lord, that you might be glorified, that walls would be rebuilt for your kingdom and for your glory, that families would be rebuilt. Lord, that you would use us as a congregation to leave a legacy that these little ones you've entrusted to us, our kids and grandkids, Lord, that they'd be raised and that long after you've taken us from this earth, that they'd be on their knees before you, that they'd be proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing all around the world through these people. Lord, would you strengthen them? Would you purify them? Would you set us apart for you? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm not going to finish my whole message, but I know some of you guys will kill me if I don't give you the fill in the blanks. So let me give you them. What, what's next after we celebrate that God is working? Next is that we commit to be part of a team and to be consistent in rebuilding our lives and our community. There's this incredible verse in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. Where Nehemiah says, so we rebuilt the wall. It's this huge wall that is around their entire city to half its height, okay? It, it, these people are, they're only halfway there. And he says, for the people worked with all their heart. They couldn't have even gotten halfway there if they hadn't worked together. And if they hadn't worked with all their heart. And if we really want to rebuild our lives and our legacies, we got to work together. You, you can't go out on your own and have a Nehemiah legacy or a legacy like my grandpa has. You got to have a team and you got to have persistence. There's no triumph without trouble, there's no legacy without obstacles. 
Things are going to come. They're going to knock down the vision. There are going to be setbacks as you try to rebuild your family, as you try to rebuild your relationship with God. It's not if setbacks are going to come, but when. They will. And you can just decide today, I'm committed. I'm committed to be part of a team. And I'm going to, I'm going to be there every Sunday. And unless I'm, you know, vomiting or have a fever, I'm going to be there because I need my team and my team needs me. And I'm, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to serve. I'm not just going to watch the walls go out. I'm going to get out there and get my hands dirty and be part of it. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be part of a team. As we close, I just want to assess where each of our own lives need God's help to rebuild. The very beginning of the book in chapter 2, verse 13, we're told this, Nehemiah's writing. He says, I went out examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Well, we know what that's like in our community. You, you can drive... 30 minutes to Yarnell and, and see what's broken down. You can see what it looks like for something to be destroyed by fire. And, and as a congregation, we're coming together to help families there rebuild. And as a congregation, you guys don't get to see it, but we're helping people in the firefighter community rebuild. But my question is, is for you individually, where is it that you need some rebuilding? Is it your marriage or some other relationship? Do you know that God... He, he has a better marriage and relationships planned for you than you could ever dream. You know, uh, women sometimes think that all men are supposed to be like a Nicholas Sparks character. Men sometimes think that women are supposed to look like all, all these photoshopped women that we see all around on screens in our culture. Guys, God's plan for your marriage and relationships is so much better than what this culture tells you. But you've got to decide, I'm going to commit to his plan. And I'm going to have a team that helps me get there. And I'm going to be faithful to it. Is it your finances? Is it your relationship with God? I know some of you are here today and God brought you here. Because you know, yeah, he still loves you no matter what. Yeah, you got your ticket to heaven by believing in Jesus Christ, but you know your relationship with God needs some rebuilding. You know it's in disrepair. You know the passion's not there. Today, just commit in your heart, God, I will be part of this team. We are here to help you rebuild. That's why we're here. That, that's why we get up in the morning. That's how we pray for you. We want to help you rebuild. And maybe it's your legacy. You know, right now, if you, if you passed away today and there was a memorial service for you, there wouldn't be a whole lot of because of yous. God can change that. He wants to use you to change others so that when he does call you home, there's a chorus of because of her, because of him, my life has changed. And let me just close by asking you about the foundation. What foundation are you building on in your life? Nehemiah didn't just start rebuilding anywhere. He didn't go back to Jerusalem and say, hey, well, we're going to change these lines. He said, no, God, this is God's foundation. We're going to rebuild on it. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 7. He talks about two different kinds of lives, a life that's built on shifting sand and a life that's built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, his good news and his word. And he says this, storms will come into your life. 
Not if, but when. Storms will come into your life. Death will come into your life. Difficulty will come into your life. And the question for you today is, what are you building on in your life? Are you building on a foundation of, well, self-comfort, self-pleasure? I'm going to acquire as much stuff for me as I can. I'm going to take care of myself. Any foundation other than Jesus that you build on, it might look firm for a while, but it's going to be shifting sand. And, and, and I can't close today without giving you an opportunity to say, yeah, I, I need some rebuilding in my life, and I, I got to get back to the foundation. I need Jesus to be the, the cornerstone, the foundation of my life. So let's pray that together right now. Father, I, I thank you for every man and woman here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are working in our hearts. You're the one who reveals where we need to rebuild. I don't need to know that for each man and woman in here, but you know it. And Lord, right now, would, would you speak to them? Would you let them know that you're near to the brokenhearted? You uphold those who are crushed in spirit. And when our lives are broken down, you don't sneer at us. You don't mock us. You don't look down on us, but, but you kneel down with us and you put your arm around us and you, you lift us up. You're a God who rebuilds broken lives. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would do a work by your Holy Spirit to seal it into our hearts, that where each of us need to rebuild, that we will be faithful to you. That's all we have to do. We don't have to be perfect, but Lord, if we'll be faithful to you, you will do the work. So Lord, Holy Spirit, right now, just, just with the blazing fire reveal to men, they need to rebuild their marriage. They need to let go of those lusts that have been pulling them away from their wife. Lord, work in, in, in the hearts of all of us where there's bitterness, where there's deep wounds, and we need to rebuild those walls because the enemy's got a, a foothold of, of, of bitterness. Lord, Lord, where there's gossip, where there's broken down relationships with you, where there's sin between us and you, Lord, all the walls that are broken down in our lives, would you show those to us? With our eyes closed, I, I want to give you an opportunity right now, and no one else is looking, but I, I, I want to, as your pastor, see if God's showing you right now something in your heart, you know, uh, there's an area of my life I know I need to rebuild. Would, would you just raise your hand so I can see that, so I can pray for you? Praise God. I mean, all over this room, God is showing you. He's showing you, here's where I want you to rebuild it. And let me just tell you, you know, every Sunday from now to Christmas, we are going to be rebuilding together. I want to ask for a, a different raise of hands, and that's this. I want to ask you, do you want to be part of a legacy with me and, and with your church family here? Do you want to be part of something that's bigger than you? And if, if so, would you raise your hand? Can I just see that as, praise God, thank you. Thank you for saying, you know, I, I want to be part of God's kingdom work. I want to live a life that's bigger than me. I want to affect the generations. And finally, I want to give an opportunity. If you're here today and you don't know with 100% certainty that you are God's son or daughter, that when he sees you, he sees you as holy and pure and spotless. If you don't know that, you can make Christ the foundation of your life today. Pray this with me from your heart. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. 
God, I know sin has broken me away from you, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want to follow you. I want to build a life on your solid rock. If that's you today, if you've prayed that in your heart, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you, so I can walk with you as you follow Christ? Praise God. Many people who've come to salvation today. If you've come to salvation today, if you've prayed that prayer, we'll have prayer partners down here at the front following the service. Any Sunday, you can write that on a hi there card. Hey, I made a decision for Christ. There's a box you can check on there. We want to put our arm around you. We want to help you build on this new foundation in Christ. Let's close in prayer, and then let's stand and and celebrate God together. Father, Lord, you are at work. Oh, Father, what a privilege to be where your spirit is at work. We praise you that we get to know you. And Lord, I pray right now for these new believers who've, who've said they want to build their lives on you. They've decided that, Lord, in this moment when they placed their faith in you, their, their chains of sin were broken. They were moved from darkness to light. They were adopted into the family of God. This is a life-defining day for them. So let them know it today and let them come forward and learn about it at the end of this service. And Lord, the rest of us here, we commit. We want to leave a, a because of you legacy. Jesus, we want to be part of the church that you're building with or without us. And Jesus, we need you to rebuild in our marriages and in our homes and in our minds and in our habits and in our struggles. So Lord, would you be our king? Would you be our savior? Would you rebuild and restore and make us new in you? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.